Hi, I'm Alex Bailey, and this is my colleague. Hi, I'm Mandy Jack. And we're part of the team of academic developers at Swansea University who provide support and promote good learning and teaching practices and experiences. Welcome to A Pinch of Salt, Swansea University's learning and teaching podcast. If it has anything to do with learning and teaching in higher education, let's make sure everyone knows about it. Have you ever seen the 2001 comedy film Zoolander? In this film, the main character, Derek Zoolander, dreams of one day opening a school to help disadvantaged children with their literacy. And the nefarious villain, Mugatu, attempts to buy Derek's allegiance by unveiling to him a scale model of this school, effectively promising to build it for him without words. Derek is the opposite of Bright, and he takes one look at the scale model and incredulously declares, what is this? A school for ants? It needs to be at least three times bigger. When I first heard of micro-credentials and micro-provision, I imagined that such an institution would be the place I would have to go to obtain them. But my colleague Mandy reliably informs me that I am wrong. Here to set me straight, and to help us all understand the far-reaching potential of micro-credentials and micro-provision for learners and teachers alike, are a small group of colleagues who recently presented on the matter at the SALT Teaching and Learning Conference. So, hello everybody, welcome to A Pinch of Salt. Uh, to kick us off, please could you each just take a moment to introduce yourselves and your roles at the university. Yes, hello, my name is Casey Hopkins and I'm a lecturer within the Computer Science Department and I am an um, investigator on the HEFQ Panwheels funded micro-credentials project. Okay, I'm Louisa Huxtable-Thomas, I'm an Associate Professor in the School of Management and I also lead on Executive Education for the School of Management. Hi, I'm Dr Laura Roberts, I'm an Associate Professor in Biosciences and I'm the School Education Lead for Biosciences, Geography and Physics. Um, so I'm currently also working in the Faculty of Science and Engineering developing their Lifelong Learning Academy. So a bit of an obvious question to start then, what is micro-provision? So a micro-provision is where we teach a short course to a person or a group but has no assessment. So it's not credit bearing in the way that we teach our modules here at the university, but it's something that we would normally call maybe continuing professional development or continuing education. It's got lots of names, but you do a course, you walk away with a certificate of completion um, or maybe a certificate of attendance and you've come away with new knowledge. So it's relatively light touch. So uh, that's micro-provision. What is a micro-credential? So a micro-credential is a bit different, actually. So micro-credentials actually are credit-bearing courses. Um, and they currently can arrange from anything from 1 to 60 credits, and they're FHEQ credits. Because they're credit-bearing, they have to go through a more rigorous quality assurance process. Um, but eventually, learners should be able to collect micro-credentials be able to stack them up and then get a formal award, so something like a HE dip, for example, and eventually a full degree. So we're hoping that in the future these micro-credentials will become uh, transportable and stackable and learners will have that kind of flexibility to be able to build their own degree in a sort of pick and mix between courses and between universities as well. You've mentioned a bit there about what makes micro-credentials different to other types of learning. Is there anything else that makes them stand out? 
Yeah, so I think they're actually um, quite fantastic. So, you know, they're going to be hopefully incredibly versatile. They're small and compact units um, of study, and they can be delivered in a range of formats. So they might be short fat courses, they might be long courses, they could be remote or they could be online. They differ from just taking a full degree because obviously a full degree tends to be a high kind of requirement in terms of time. It also can be financially constraining. So basically learners can pick small bits of modules to really help themselves upskill. They can also be used for career migration and they can also be used for reskilling as well. They're a little bit more inclusive than a full-time degree because they are more accessible in these smaller units. So if someone has maybe caring responsibilities or can't access those full degree programs for some reason, you know, maybe they can't afford to, um, they can still dip into these small learning options, making them basically more accessible and more inclusive. Yeah, they do sound brilliant and they do sound very much CPD, don't they? So it's something I think that we should be looking toward for a lot of our CPD provision in the university. So how did you get interested in micro-provision and micro-credentials? So um, myself was involved on a HEFQ-funded Panwheels project. So it involves all Welsh universities and the main goal was to try and deliver digital skills boot camps. And the aim of these boot camps was to prepare the universities to deliver the micro-credentials or micro-provisions, um, just in preparation for the future where we can see hopefully micro-credentials becoming a much bigger thing. Um, so, as I mentioned, it's all Welsh universities that were involved in the project and we've managed to deliver uh, four micro-credentials uh, this year at Swansea. So, yeah, quite successful so far. I got interested, so back, oh, I think it was 2019, so pre-pandemic, we were approached by a massive pharmaceutical company that said, we really want to know about a specific area of health system policy and no one knows about this we did a research project on it and we're like well yeah that's great but how's that going to change your organization and they said oh well you're going to deliver a training course obviously and we panicked because we are great at doing credit bearing awards you know whether it's a pt dip or an msc you know we can deliver a full course and they weren't interested in that they wanted this dissemination of knowledge and they wanted it quick and they wanted it to be sort of inserted into their staff's head and so that led to us in the school of management going through a process of understanding why what we did didn't work for them but also making sure that we could provide something within the constraints of what we already do we didn't want to change the university and that led us down this amazing journey of discovery. And I was able to then work in parallel with Laura and work with Casey to really understand not just what people want when they come to university past that kind of, I guess, 19 to 24 year old period. So now they've got responsibilities, they have you know access needs, they have to be um, able to do this work with us at the same time as they're working for their boss. And someone has to pay for that and get value from it. It completely changed the way that we thought about education. And that was really exciting for me. So I'm still involved. I'm still on board. Every day somebody asks me a question that we don't know the answer to. And it makes, you know, what used to be a job that we thought we were all doing kind of with our eyes closed, really challenging and exciting. For me, um, I just happened to watch a webinar in January 2021, which was all about micro-credentials and, and where we were within the UK at the moment, which was actually quite far behind some other countries like Australia, New Zealand and Europe. 
Um, and as soon as I saw them and I could see the concept of them, I thought they were just fantastic. You know, a real true opportunity um, to actually bring lifelong learning into fruition. You know, we talk about lifelong learning a lot, but actually our, our degrees are often compact in these three or four year programs. And then we go on to work. But with a micro-credential, you can, you can continue to learn with high quality resources until you know, well into retirement age. And, and I just love that concept. Um, and at the same time, the QAA released a quality compass saying where we were and what the potential were for these sorts of things. Um, and then I basically took it to the university's distance learning working group um, and said, look, we've got to be looking into these things. If we want to do distance learning, then micro-credentials hopefully will be the future. Um, and then ended up working with Louisa and Casey to try and take it forward then for Swansea University. So how did you guys meet then? Because you're all from different areas of the university, so what brought you together? (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was um, the university were looking at distance learning options. And remember, this is in the pandemic. So it's that 2021 period. We've all been moved on to Canvas. We know that we can do it. And everyone was very excitable. You know, we'd, we'd gone past the real pain of doing it. And suddenly they were saying, yes, we should do more distance and virtual learning. And they brought together people who they thought were doing stuff. I think I turned up and went, yeah, it's much harder than you think. And uh, Laura turned up and said, we should definitely do more of this. And we just all kind of came together, I guess, in that way, didn't we? And then um, projects have come on board since. We've had these opportunities. Laura's done some amazing stuff for the QAA. Oh, yeah, I was on the QAA um, subject character statement so it's not a subject it's a character statement yeah which was really great so I was able to work with people across the country on what exactly we thought micro-credentials should be what they should do what they should quality assure Um, but of course because it's broad and it's not subject specific it has to kind of cater to many many different things that people actually want them to be again relating to that versatility within micro-credentials and I think from my point of view, and I think I've been able to then speak to the university and say, we have character statements for what a bachelor's degree looks like, what a master's degree looks like, and now what a micro-credential looks like. So that's got real kind of gravitas now. It's got the same level of attention from the Quality Assurance Agency. We need to start really thinking about this. Um, hence why we did the, the talk at SALT and why we're here. And um, because it's not us that's really driving it, it's the people who want to do them, who come to us all the time. Yeah, absolutely. They found a way to learn and, and, and to get some credit for that learning. Yeah, it sounds really, really positive. It all sounds really, really exciting. And uh, Laura, you touched earlier on a very briefly, you, you mentioned how micro-credentials can count towards a, a university degree. Can you just talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so it's early days. We're hoping that um, learners can basically build up credits so they can do a number of credits, which will eventually lead to, you know, 120 credits will get them award, you know, 360 credits would get them a full degree. It's very complicated and it's very early in that, um, in that timescale of it at the moment. So we can't presently offer a full degree done by a, a micro-credential and, and working out how they can be transferable between universities is is really challenging because of course everybody needs to have the same level of quality assurance you have to reduce those barriers that universities have from competition and that kind of thing so Casey's actually been working on this a lot with her HEFCU funded micro-credentials project and she can tell you in in detail the, the challenges around this actually yeah it's been quite a difficult process because as Laura mentioned each university has different internal processes to set up Um, any type of course anyway 
So throughout this project, what we've done is we've just created new courses or taken existing courses and delivered them as micro-credentials or micro-provisions in the hope that we could then build these up in the future. So as part of our project, I proposed a um, certificate of higher education. And what it does is it takes 120 credits, but across all of the Welsh institutions. So um, creating some sort of consortium approach towards building up your degree. And the, the feedback has been very positive from all Welsh universities. They're on board and they want to continue with this uh, research or with investigating how this would work. Um, but this is obviously just within the area of computer science where the project lays. So across all of the other subject areas, there's still a lot more work to do. And even with computer science, it's a very sketchy draft proposal. Um, but the feedback, as I said, has been great. And so hopefully we can take this further. And um, the, the plan is that if there was further funding, we could then look down creating more um, pathways for students so that they can build up their credits and actually obtain those higher higher degree awards so looking at your foundation degree levels or your full degrees or master's qualifications just from these stackable credits sounds brilliant so once you've done that with with uh, computer science then you're going to be taking that skeleton then maybe and, and looking at how you can use that transferably across I think, yeah i think that's the huge challenge it works very well in in disciplines where there's already a lot of collaborations and that was the real strength with casey's project is that there was already that Welsh consortium set up. I think most other disciplines are quite a way behind that. And not only that, for some disciplines, micro-credentials might not be suitable, you know, for, for hands-on practical disciplines, they might be more suitable, you know, or they might be that people want to do them just from subjects of interest. So I think a lot of work has to be done on things like market research as well, and market intelligence to show that there is a market for it. Um, there are still some fundamental questions that have yet to be answered. So things like how many credits have to be from a, a home university or one university for it to account, you know, as who's going to award it. So in Swansea, are we going to award 80 of those credits and accept the remaining 40 from other universities, for example? And then there's other fundamental questions like, well, can we do other credits? So my core credits are in computer sciences, but then I want 40 credits in engineering, um, which will make up, you know, a, a different sort of, sort of a unique program almost of study for each person who decides to collect these and stack these as a, as a qualification. And I guess eventually it would be nice if it was global mm -hmm. so that you could maybe do an industry year in another country. Say you, you know, you've gone to Sydney to do to do something and then come back with those credentials and, yeah. and build. Yeah, and they're working towards that in Europe at the moment, definitely. So you can do credits in France, you can do credits in Spain and so on, and they can be transferred. You know, I don't know where we sit currently with that. It's not my field of intelligence. But <laughs> hopefully we'll be able to join in. So what impact do you think a micro-credential type of learning opportunity would have on a learner then? There are so many different stories. So if you are in work and you've been in work for a long time and you're starting to feel like you're a little bit stale and these you know, young people are coming in, these new graduates, they've got new skills, then it's really nice to be able to step out of work, upskill yourself quietly and then go back into work and you know everything and you're up to date and you don't have that feeling of being on that kind of shifting sands. For other people, so I'm working on starting a project now in uh, humanities and social sciences with an organization that works with people who've 
been on the edges of criminality, let's we say. So potentially um, they might have a criminal record, they might have been um, known to the probation service, and that makes it very difficult for them both to get jobs in certain fields, but also it can put them off from feeling like they belong in a university environment. Micro-credentials is really interesting in that it allows us to invite people into the university to do something that they might feel interesting and achievable and affordable. Um, you know, these are smart people, people who maybe, from the business school point of view, have been running businesses, maybe not necessarily legal businesses, have paid their debt to society, and now they're in a really difficult situation where actually they've got all the knowledge and none of the qualification. And so we can be part of that process of helping people to come back into society, come to university. We are really reaching wider with this one. And then they can go, actually, maybe I did do this micro-credential. Maybe I'm really interested in criminology, actually, because I've got some insights and I now want to do a degree in it. So the value is really high depending on where you are, but it's not the same for any two people. I think also from a workplace perspective, it's a great opportunity to have your staff engaging with universities who are at the forefront of developments within their field, within research, and tap into things that they may not get the opportunity to learn in the workplace, but they can then drop into a module to upskill on it and bring that back and teach the rest of their, their colleagues, for example. Again, Casey's project with the digital skills is fantastic because all small businesses need to have an element of digital technology skills that's constantly changing Staff need to constantly upskill to keep on top of it. Um, so it's a great opportunity to, to just keep that going and really upskill the workforce ac across the UK, actually. Yeah, just to add on that as well. So as Laura mentioned, there's a huge digital skills gap. And what we found with the course participants this year is that a lot of them are just interested in testing the waters, seeing if the subject area is actually for them before they step into a career change or before they apply for an actual degree in the subject or want to, I don't know, delve into more upskilling. So we've had a couple of students who have, a couple of learners, I should say, sorry, um, that have actually done the micro-credentials and we've reached out to them and said, look, you're a really good match for the degree apprenticeship programme. And I think this year we've had two applications that have come directly from micro-credentials. And next year we're looking to have another one or two who are interested, but because of the commitment this year, they aren't able to give up their time quite yet. Um, so it's a really interesting kind of new pathway for them as well. It's not just the option to do upskilling or um, continuous professional development. They can actually use it as a stepping stone into university and kind of test the waters before they fully commit themselves. And so it's either you can build it up over a good few years as a micro-credential course, um, going towards a programme of study, or they use it as just a let me dip my toes in before I fully commit my three years of part-time learning to a degree. The potential sounds absolutely incredible. Never before have you heard of a try before you buy for universities and, and uh, the, the access widening for all those groups of people you mentioned is, is just phenomenal, isn't it? It's, it's got really exciting implications for, for higher education. Um, I wanted to know, do you have any advice for learners who are starting a micro-credential? I think the main thing would be to be open-minded. So a lot of the people that have joined the courses have had this kind of perception of what a university course is like. And then when they've actually done the micro-credential, they've thought, wow, this is a completely different way of learning. It's not um, maybe as difficult to access. It's actually quite accessible. That's the whole point of a micro-credential, as Louise and Laura have mentioned. 
but also to bear in mind that they are university level so there is a certain expectation of the amount of work you need to complete and you're probably going to be doing it part-time alongside a job or caring responsibilities or other things that you have on your plate so bear in mind that there is a lot of time you need to commit in order to fulfill the the micro credential but yeah definitely be open-minded and go for it so what is Swansea University's position on micro-credentials and micro-provision? I'll kick off. So in terms of uh, Wales's approach to micro-credentials and what we're already doing, obviously we've started. And in reality, this is not brand new. You know, there are departments within the university that have been delivering short courses for years. So we've been teaching Welsh on campus to people who want to learn Welsh as a second language for a long time. Um, we've been doing courses as a result of our um, funded projects for quite a long time. But now we're starting to realise that there is a, a national drive coming from both the funding councils but also the Quality Assurance Agency to make sure that we're doing this consistently to a high level of quality, but also that there's a drive from the people who want to learn. So those learners are coming to us and saying, Oh, does it have to take three years? So, you know, we can, you know, we need to think about that. The university certainly is supportive, but it certainly isn't the top of our priority list. You know, we still need to deliver our core business. This is a really important add-on. It's a step towards a, a long-term future, but we've got a lot of steps to take to get there. So today is a really important day to start. Yeah, I think um, just to add on to what Louise has said, we have taken those initial steps and the university is definitely able to do them. Like we've done four in one year in digital um, digital skills boot camps. So it, we're very able to do them. But as, Laura, as Louise has said, the future is quite, it's going to be a long, uh, a long road before we get to where we want to be especially when we consider the stackability and the portability aspects because we're going to have to have agreement from either all universities where we want to um, stack the qualification with, so as a consortium approach, or there could be a framework approach, and there's no kind of guidance as to which route to take yet. And so it's very much kind of experiment, see where it goes, and then if it works, let's continue that work. But it's going to take a lot of time to get there, I think. We're positioned at the moment in, in Swansea to support micro-credentials a lot because of Casey's work um, in getting her micro-credentials project through with HESQ. So since 2021, we set up a university-wide working group to develop what Swansea's approach actually would be. Um, and this working group has been cross-institution, so it consists of anyone important in L&T we could basically think of to get on there. So we've got representatives from SALT, we've got the um, academic partnerships team, academic records, the disability office for student support. Um, obviously, quality are quite heavily involved in what we're doing. And we've got representation from all three faculties also. So we've produced new regulations so we can support um, learners to be able to give them the award or the, the, the credits at the end of it, uh, which is thanks to Casey and, and her work on that. We're also almost finished completing two how-to guides. So one how-to guide on just the logistics of setting things up. So what to think about for enrolment, what to think about for admissions, um, how long should your course be? who's responsible within your faculty and what sort of support you'd need to do it. And then we've also worked with SALT to produce a document then on guidance for just setting up really good remote and online courses, be that micro-credentials or micro-provisions. And, and like I said, Casey's 
project, um, the HEFQ funded project, has been a really great opportunity to test and challenge those processes. We haven't answered all of the questions to that yet. There's, it's still a work in process, but we, we're a, a long way towards finalising things, I think. And of course, with those challenges come successes as well. So do you want to just give us a little overview of, of what kind of stumbling stones you've come across, but also some of the things that have gone really well so far? Well, I'll let Casey go first, because she's done the, the serious micro-credential stuff. So, um, as I mentioned, we've managed to successfully deliver four micro-credentials this year. So since January, we've actually delivered four. So that's quite a big success, I think, in itself. But the number of interested learners was also quite, I don't know, pleasing, mind-blowing. So we had 134 learners um, who registered for the courses. But I think um, one of the big challenges is actually keeping them on the course. And the reason for this is because as it was a pilot program, we delivered them for free. But in the future, uh, there would be some cost attributed to them. But also, because they are kind of seen as CPD, um, people just think they can dip in and out. And as I mentioned earlier on, it's a university course. So it's not very dip in and out. You have to really commit yourselves to completing it. And so whilst a lot of them did complete and we had, we awarded quite a few credits, sent out all the certificates so they've all got the uh, credited certificates to say that they've attended our courses there was also quite a few who didn't want to do the assessment because they felt that they'd gained the level of knowledge that they wished and they didn't really care about having a certificate to say that they gained it they were just kind of happy to have the skills rather than um, a certificate that says you've completed this course sort of thing um, so I think in the future definitely thinking about maybe other routes. So maybe you have uh, a course that could be a micro-provision or a micro-credential, depending on the needs of the learner. And if they want to complete the assessment, then they can gain the certificate with the credits. And if not, they could just gain the certificate of attendance. And so really understanding what the learner needs is essential when we move forward. It sounds a lot like MOOCs, you know, that sort of thing. If, if you wanted the certificate, then you pay Otherwise, you just join the course and, and um, well, enjoy all the, uh, the flexibility and, and all the experience and expertise of the people delivering. It doesn't seem very fair, really, but um, I guess that's what we've been doing a lot of lately. So, Yeah, I think if, if you're paying, some of these courses will cost £750, for example. We've seen them advertised with FutureLearn being around that cost. Um, you know, if you're investing that amount of money, I think you're going to want to get the qualification at the end of it, you know, those credits. Um, and I think when they're more established and they can be stackable and transferable, people will be able to think a lot more about how they're going to plan their next steps and what they're going to be using them for. And by starting to invest that time, if they don't complete it, they're, you know, it, it's a waste of their own time, it is essentially. So um, I think if they were charged, it might be a different outcome. Um, even with the micro-provision to pick up on kind of both of those points, we've had people come onto the courses. They're dead simple to recruit to. So that's one of the, the successes is if you've got the content right, people will come, more people possibly than you can deal with. And so that comes with a challenge in its own right. That's a big infrastructure concern potentially for the university. You know, we're going to have to create um, new spaces for those learners. They don't want to be stuck in Victorian-style lecture theatres at all. Um, We need to think about how we charge them. 
So already, you know, we, we've come across that with micro-provision, that large companies want a single invoice, they want to send us a purchase order, and then they just want a confirmation that we delivered the course. And that confirmation doesn't come from us, it comes from the learners. So now we have a completely different way of being measured on success, completely different way of doing finance. Um, how do you admit those people to the university and whether or not they are students, which is why we've got some of this new vocabulary around courses, not modules, learners, not students. Um, we've had to really think about this very differently and that creates pressure in a lot of places that are already under pressure. You know, we saw the pressure that January entry caused to us Imagine now how January entry, February entry, March entry, April entry, because these courses are short and people do want to start when they want to start. You know, if you're working with the health service, they have different quiet periods than we do. They have different financial year than we do. And suddenly we're finding that we are having to change the university's very well established systems to fit with what our clients and, and learners want. However, that is forcing us into the future in a way that we haven't thought of before. You know, we've had that conversation about, do we get future learning to deliver all these? Because it'd be much easier. And then we've heard from colleagues who've gone, no, no, you have to do everything you would have done anyway, and now you have to do it future learners way. So we've learned, even in the, the short time that we've had, we've had these conversations, we've really challenged assumptions, but we've also learned that we can do it. That's not a problem. It's more about, Who's going to do it when and why? Why is so important? You know, why would you do this? We do really well from our core business of delivering degrees and doing research. We, know, we need to know why we're doing this because then we can do things like set the tariff for learning. It shouldn't just be about income generation because if it was, then we should have been doing it 20 years ago because then we would be future learn and we'd be great. Um, it should be about disseminating knowledge. You know, it should be about getting people new access into the university, people who feel that this place is intimidating or isn't for them in some way. So really understanding why I think is more important and is still a challenge for us because we don't all have the same why yet. Yeah, we've clearly done a very good job of broadening and widening access and, and telling people it's never too late to learn haven't we? And I think that's what the draw is now. You've given me that opportunity now that I didn't think I had. I'm far too old to go to university, but oh, maybe I'm not. And yeah, awesome. So what's the future looking like then? The near future for micro-credentials and micro-provision here at Swansea? Well, we're still working on it. So there's, like Laura said, we've got these two how-to documents coming out, the am amended slash new regulations that make it easier i'm not saying that we couldn't do this before they definitely make it easier for us to register to enroll to um really coach in these new learners and um the future it looks like now sitting down and answering that question about why so saying to ourselves why do you want to do this and therefore who next you know casey's done the most amazing job of taking us into the future quicker than perhaps we were comfortable with, or maybe we, the university, were comfortable with. I was very happy. Um, <laughs> but we now need to get everybody else catching up and to decide, you know, within our faculties, which course is easiest to, to break down into modules and break those down into courses, which is the most attractive, and to do a very strategic job of planning. Obviously, I come from business school. I'm keen on that. But that kind of leadership is really important now because, in theory, 
we could all disappear off at different angles and we could all start doing this, especially microvision. Um, and then we might lose our identity. Yeah, I think a lot will come from what the guidance comes out of Casey's projects with um, the report back to HEFQ. So for those HEFQ funded projects, I think there was either three or four projects that were funded all looking at different topics or looking at seeing if they could be established and if we can do this in Wales. And they will all feed back different recommendations of what the next steps are. We're very much hoping that funding will be made available, not just for... Um, for learners basically to be able to do the courses, but also for universities to be able to develop that infrastructure to set up those courses as well. So administrative support, you know, a, a more robust framework to make sure that we can enroll them, we can, if they've got qualifications, we can support them when they are enrolled with us. Because at the moment that is missing unless you've got a strong micro provision catalogue behind you and you already have those systems set up which we don't here in Swansea at the moment. Casey I don't know if you wanted to add to that it's your project that's <laughs> really pushing this. Yeah so our report back to HFQ is due in September and I think a lot of the universities have agreed that whilst the the learner funding is great we also need some support on the administration side um, whether that comes from internally within the universities and therefore um, the universities recognising the importance of them. But obviously, as Louisa and Laura have both mentioned, it may not be the top of every university's priority. And so there needs to be some sort of action to make it the top of the university's priority. Um, but going forward, I think we need more funding as well as for the learners and the administration, but just to develop the stackability aspect. And I think it needs to be a much longer term. If it's, it's a pilot or any sort of investigation into how these things will run, it needs to be much longer. Because this year we had a year and... As Louisa said, we we <laughs> sped through delivering four of them and we managed to and it was great and we've proved that Swansea is very capable of doing that. But for the stackability aspect, it's going to take a lot more work to actually ensure that it works and that obviously the learners can stack them up. They're not going to want to stack up 120 credits in one year because then they may as well be a full-time student. And as well as that, we also see kind of a centralised hub as the way moving forward for micro-credentials and micro-provisions. So we've seen Australia have a, a micro-credential catalogue um, or they, they're going to develop one. And I think that's where we need to go as well, not just to highlight what's available to the students, but also to kind of point out the pathways available because it's pointless picking up, say, a, bio, a biology subject and a digital technology subject and then, oh, let me dip into um, healthcare and then realising, oh, actually, I can't, use all of those credits together to get myself a degree in computer science. So we really need to highlight what works for learners. And then if they do want to do all those subjects, great. But what else could they get out of that then? Is it just a general certificate of higher education? Or could they make their courses more specific and then get an actual degree in a certain subject area? So I think there's a lot of work to be done, um, but it will take a lot of time. And yeah, a lot of work, hopefully, Yes. Fortunately, we've got a, a great team of colleagues here who are, who are doing that work. You know, it's, it's really exciting to, to hear about and uh, to see what you guys are, are pushing out into here. It's, uh, it's, it's great. Um, so staff are, are probably listening to this conversation and they're thinking the same as me. All sounds really, really exciting. How can I get involved? Comes the voice of the staff members. What would you say to them? What advice would you give them? And who would they contact if they have questions? 
I'm happy to go first year. So my advice would be talk to your school and faculty. Make sure what you've got planned strategically aligns with the faculty and the school's actual um, priorities. Um, they need to make sure they're supported in the business plan for this. It does take time. You may already be teaching that module, but to convert that module into a micro-credential requires a team. It requires an administrator. It requires um, uh, support to get students through, um, it requires admissions, it requires lots of central services. So you don't work alone doing this and, and you can't do it in your spare time on a Sunday afternoon when you've got an hour free. Um, you know, you, you really need to be given proper amount of time to do it. So talk to your school and faculty, get the time you need and the money to do this, I would strongly recommend. I would agree 100%. Yeah, it, it always starts with either your school education lead, your associate dean for learning and teaching, they have other things that they're thinking about. Get this really early into the plan and um, understand how you know the quality system works for this. It looks very much like module quality, but there are some additional bits of expertise. And read that how-to document as soon as we finish writing it. Mm. That was actually going to be my advice, is uh, as soon as this how-to document's published, have a read of that first and then decide, is there actually a route forward for yourself? And then go and get in touch with everyone. I'm thinking about the PG cert, actually. I thought that would be really, really good to have that as a micro-credential. That's what lots of people are focusing on. I get lots of queries, actually, from other universities um, about doing it for a PG cert. Um, so it, it, people are thinking along those lines. And yeah. wouldn't it be wonderful Absolutely. If that was transferable? Yes, indeed. Thank you very much. Well, we've come to the end of our um, formal sort of conversation we've got a few little fun questions we'd like to ask you at the end <laughs> so if you could describe micro credentials in three words what would they be transformative challenging futuristic love like it that. that was a nice team answer <laughs> i like that yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, great. Um, so just a, a general one. What is your favourite thing about Swansea University? I love my job. I just love my job. I can't pick one thing. I Brilliant. just feel so privileged to, to be able to do this job and come to work. So I couldn't select one thing. I, I love it. I, I've always wanted to be here. I went to school next door. I came here. This is the only open day I ever came to. And I'm just a Swansea girl. That's what it is. <laughs> I'd actually agree with you. So I'm from Port Albert and I never wanted to go to any other university. It was always Swansea. So I came as a student and then I did delve into industry for a year, but then I came back. So I think once you're hooked, mm. that's it. You're in. Swansea's <laughs> got you. Yeah, it's got you. <laughs> stuck. Oh, love it. Okay. Um, if you could provide a micro-credential for anything, it could be fun or it could be serious, what would it be and why? Bacon. I just bacon. love to bake. Yeah. Baking. Yeah, bacon. Bacon. Not bacon. <laughs> no, 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 not bacon. I got really excited when I heard bacon as well. Because, oh. <laughs> baking. Yeah. Baking. I like that. It's yeah. not my, you know, my most advanced skill, but it would be a lot of fun, I think. Give the bake off a run for its money. Brilliant. Uh, gosh, that sounds like loads of fun. Uh, mine wasn't going to be fun at all. Mine was going to be in uh, being nice to each other. If we could create, yeah, if we could create qualifications where we basically said, when you leave this, you're just going to be much nicer to other people. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't that be brilliant? Absolutely. World peace would be next. 
Yeah. Okay, so I've got a bit of a toss-up. Either uh, baby care. Why is that then? Um, (laughs) Not like I have a baby coming in October. Or pet care. Like, how do you do the Heim... Is it Heimlich? Remover? (laughs) Maneuver? (laughs) Remover? (laughs) Maneuver on a dog. Very much the same you would on a child. I could teach that. Okay, perfect. So we've already got... That's what my first degree is. (laughs) If anyone from Pets at Home is listening, get in touch with these guys. Uh, They they want to work with you. Um, Well, so there we go. Like I said at the start of the episode, far-reaching potential of micro-credentials and micro-provision. We talked already about saving your pet's life, baking, and indeed just making the world a better place. I just want to say thank you very much to all of our guests for coming on the podcast today. Uh, new episodes of this podcast are available on the last Tuesday of every month with some bonus episodes scattered in between. And you can find those on all good podcasting platforms, including Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it. So without much further ado, it's uh, goodbye from Mandy. Goodbye. It's goodbye from our guests. Bye. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.